Hello everybody, Kim Langling here of Let Fear Bounce. I hope you've got your coffee or your favorite beverage ready. And sit back and relax and listen in as I talk to Roger Leslie, PhD. He is an award-winning author and as well as a publisher. So sit back, relax, and listen into the show. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. I am so excited with my guest today, Roger Leslie, PhD, and he has also been a guest on my television show, The Right Stuff, The Author's Voice, so I'm excited to have him on Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Thanks again so much for joining me, and of course, as I just said, Roger Leslie, PhD. Roger is an author. He is a scholar in the fields of education and success, and his award-winning books cover multiple genres of nonfiction and fiction. His memoir, My First Last Year and Fly, courses inspire people to live their dream. For seasoned and aspiring writers, Roger drew from decades as an author, publisher, editor, and writing coach to move them from inspiration to publication. Now, his publishing house is called Paradise Publishing House. Roger, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Hi, Kim. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me back. I know. This is so fun. I love having guests come on multiple times because there's always so much to talk about. We always run out of time. (laughs) Exactly. So what I want to talk about today, and if you would like to share with our listeners, um, I'm an author, you're an author, and we were talking off mic. I coordinate anthologies, and a lot of those folks are first-time authors. So your, your publishing house, Paradise Publishing House, first off, share a little bit about how you came to form that publishing house. Sure. So when I first started writing, I've been writing for decades. And so when I was early in the business, the only legitimate way to get published was through a traditional publishing house. Otherwise, self-publication was considered vanity press and there was not much quality there. Generally, if you couldn't find a publisher, you couldn't get an agent and you just wanted something out there to give your kids and grandkids, you went through a vanity press and that became self-publishing. Well, over the years, the industry evolved, technology evolved, and different options became available to authors. Self-publishing moved from being vanity presses to entrepreneurial publishing, and the quality of the books increased to the point where self-published books or entrepreneurially published books could be could win major awards, could be highly regarded. They could be New York Times bestsellers. Things just changed in the industry. So over time, I decided I wanted more control over what I was doing. And so with certain books, I decided I would create my own publishing house to publish those books that fit into the mission statement for my publishing house. And that mission statement is to create books that inspire people to live the life they dream and empower them to follow their own unique spiritual path. So because I write in so many different genres and I enjoy writing so many different genres, I still go through traditional publishing in certain ways. Uh, For my movie reference books, for example, I go through one of the big publishing houses who do publish movie reference books. But for the spiritual and self-help books, I started publishing my own. And The more I learned about the process, the more I realized part of my mission of helping other people make their dreams come true was to do that for authors and perhaps make some people's 
journey to publication easier. And so I created Paradise Publishing, which is a hybrid publisher, which is a cross between traditional publishing and entrepreneurial publishing. And after I published a, a book or two of my own, I started taking in other authors and now I'm publishing multiple authors from that publishing house. So how long has your publishing house been in existence? About eight years. Eight years, okay. So you've got you've got some time under your belt. Now you also coach authors, yes. correct? Yes, I'm an editor and a writing coach. I was a teacher and professor. I was a literature professor, a teacher, and then a reading and library science professor. And so teaching's always been part of my personality. Here's, here's the background story for how this all happened. I had an agent at one time and she was shopping around some of my movie reference books. And then she met with me at lunch one day and she said, Roger, you do too many different things. I have no idea how to market you. And at first I was really disappointed. I thought, well, here's this famous New York agent who's telling me I needed to change my strategy because my tradition of just going in any direction that life and spirit led me didn't seem to be the best way to market me. Any great work, whether it's a book, whether it's an idea, whether it's a company, has to stand out in some way. And after I had that conversation with the agent, I realized what she thought was a detriment was really what made me st stand out from all other people that I knew, because I write in, you know, self-help, spirituality, movie reference, historical fiction, biography, autobiography, memoir. It's just like, I do a little bit of all of it. And so I thought, you know, that gives me firsthand experience to help other people because as an editor and as a writing coach, I can not only speak from my awareness from the publishing side of it, but I also have firsthand experience having written in that genre. And so that's what led to my becoming an editor and a writing coach. And I work with people in all different genres. There are some that I will tell them, you know, this is not necessarily my favorite genre or this is not where I feel my strong suit is. I know the genre, I can give you some feedback, but there's probably someone else who knows this genre better I will refer you to one of my colleagues who might be a better fit for you. But in general, there are so many different categories and topics that I personally write about that I'm really able to give some solid firsthand information, feedback that gives them direction for what to do with the manuscript and how to get it published. So as an editor, do you, do you take on um, folks simply for editing purposes or is that part of a package? So if someone's working with you to have their book published, that's just part of a package or do you do you edit books just as a side thing as well i do edit books just like if people are just looking for an editor i'm able to edit their books even if they don't go with my publishing house or move in the direction of something spiritual or self-help i can yes i edit people's manuscripts and then as a publisher of course i'm in the editing process as an acquisitions editor for my publishing house and then we work with the the authors to make sure that the book has everything in it that that's best for the reader. But yes, I do just individually edit people's manuscripts of all different genres. Yeah. And I often get asked if I know of editors because people have a hard time finding someone that they connect with 
that kind of sees, can see, you know, is open enough to see their vision and they're not just looking at dollar signs. So this is a job. And, you know, I help folks a little bit, but I'm not, you know, I certainly don't have the background that you do. So I'm glad to find out that uh, you do that. Well, thank <laughs> I you. Might be, I might be referring some folks <laughs> to you there, Roger. I appreciate that. <laughs> so you had mentioned, you, you said, I have this big time New York agent. I know so many people, they say that they want to, they want to try and go traditional. And I, I nicely say, you know, that is awesome. And the best of luck to you, but not everybody. It's actually a very few that get signed traditionally anymore, simply because the landscape has changed so much. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think the old perception that you need to be with a major publishing house to gain respect as an author is no longer the case. Uh, I think there's great credibility in having as part of your resume, some traditionally published books, because that means that you have gone through the process extensively enough that there are people in the industry who respected your work enough to represent you. And then there, there are publishers who saw the vision and saw the skill and talent you put into the work to work with you and publish you. So for that reason, I think traditional publishing can still be fantastic, but I think there's also some great credibility in self-publishing or finding a hybrid publisher so that you have more of your own vision represented and you can take more control over how the book is marketed, how it's produced, what the cover looks like. It's nice to have that feedback. I've worked with some major publishers who they took care of everything without really considering what I wanted. And then there are other major publishers who are just like, I would say, well, you know, for this movie reference book, I would really like to include this star on the cover because, and I'd give them my reason and they'd say, oh, okay. And they would just find a really good picture of that particular celebrity and say, yeah, I love that idea. Let's do that. So each major publishing house has its own personality as well. Some, if you're an unknown author in your first time, of course, they're not going to invest much marketing money behind you until you've proven yourself. But there are others who, especially the medium presses, they're invested in you. If they're a traditional publisher, they want you to do well and they will work with you. And if you have no experience in marketing or you haven't done book tours or anything, they are really happy to help you along. You know, that's a big fear that I've heard from many authors over the last several years that I've spoken with the fear they're like you know i just want to write i don't know anything about sales i don't know anything about marketing and i keep getting rejected so i'm just going to self-publish and you know that that's that they get themselves their mind in that swirl of my book is done and you know i'm super excited but i don't have a clue how to get it out into the world now i know what i do but i'm not going to share how i get my stuff out there what are some tips that you can give an, asp an aspiring author or a current author that's just like, you know, I really, you know, my book is done. Oh my gosh, I got my first proof copy in my hands. They are just bubbling over with excitement. And then they're going, now what? How do I let people know it's out there besides my friends and family? Yes, perfect, perfect question. So my first bit of advice is start writing your next book. First and foremost, be in the process of writing something. For me, 
That's the first thing I do every day. I work on my next book, no matter what else, uh, what other commitments I have, that's a top priority. So start writing your next book, start planning it out or plotting it out or whatever you need to do. Start that first draft, give a certain number of minutes or a certain number of words to that manuscript every morning, whatever goal works for you. And then once you've done that, then work on the other elements, which include marketing. And for the marketing, my advice is find a marketing person who can help you and guide you through the process. There are many great marketers, whether it's social media people or book marketing people or library people who are connected to libraries, find someone and you can usually get referrals from other authors. Find someone who guides you through the marketing process that can work with you and teach you what you don't know. There's so much to learn. The learning curve is so high and the industry changes so quickly that it's almost impossible to keep up. Here's a bit of advice I gave to one of my clients just earlier this morning. When I was doing my doctoral work, my advisor, my, the, the, the chairperson of my committee, she talked to me after a few months of working on my dissertation. She said, Roger, you need to realize something. She said, not one person at this university understands the whole doctoral process. We all understand our piece of it and we will each guide you in what we know. The same is true for the publishing and marketing world. There isn't just one person that you will connect with and I would be one who would come close because I do so many different, you know, I have so many different roles, but even someone who works as much and intensely and all the different roles, I can't keep up with it all myself. So there are certain areas that I feel like I, I'm an expert at. I really can help people immediately transform their manuscript or work on getting it published or know what to do. There are others like the marketing people that I depend upon to guide me, to help me think, okay, if we wanna launch this book by such and such a date, we need to have the proofs done by this date so we can send them to the review journals and so on and so forth. There's so many different aspects. So uh, to recap, the first bit of advice, start your next book. And then secondly, find out other people who use marketing people and connect with some of those marketing people who can help you it's worth the investment, even if it costs you a monthly fee. I couldn't agree more. Now, I know when I started out, you know, doing my own thing, I had zero budget. <laughs> but my corporate and work background was sales and marketing. So I had a little bit of a leg up. And now I just needed to have the confidence in myself to start. But it is a lot of work. And a lot of times it feels as if you're doing more time, spending more time creating content and graphics and videos and all of this other stuff for marketing than you are writing. And it does become frustrating. And I know many authors who are in that same boat and I still get in that same boat every once in a while. I'll have a day. I'm like, Kim, oh my gosh, you know, you just spent seven hours creating content for marketing stuff. And in the back of your brain, you're just like, I want to work on my book. <laughs> you yeah. know? But Kim, if you start your day for that 30 minutes or that 1000 words or whatever it is that you set, if you do that first, then you could spend eight hours the rest of the day doing all this other stuff and know you still are doing what's most important to you. And that's writing. And that is such a good tip. And it's just so common sense. 
but you know, and you know how it is. You start your day, you get, for me anyway, I get, I am easily distracted. So it's either the dog or my mom calls, or it's like, oh, I left that laundry in the washer. Working from home can be a detriment sometimes. <laughs> so I, you know, when I wake up, I try and say, all right, Kim, it doesn't matter that your office, and I turned an old bedroom, a smaller bedroom into an actual office. That is the only purpose of it. Simply because I needed my brain to say, okay, even though my commute is only 10 to 15 steps down the hallway, that is where I work. So yes. as soon as I step through that doorway, I am working. Yes. So, and I had to do that. It took me a while to get my brain shifted to that. But I do love the whole, even, you know, no matter how much time it is, make sure that you carve out that time each morning or evening, whatever time of day it is, whether it's for minutes or for words, get that done first yes. thing or however it is that you set your schedule. And I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that doing the first thing in the morning because that's when my brain's firing up pretty good. <laughs> and on that same note, know your distractions because yeah. we all have them. For example, I ha I use two monitors because sometimes I'll, I'll have my manuscript on one monitor and right next to it, I have notes on like revision notes or anything of what I need to be doing. I have learned do not open my email page on that other screen because I can just glance at an email. It happened to me this morning. It just came up on its own when I was trying to pull up something else. And I saw this email from one of my clients who said, I, I'm frustrated. I don't know how to do that. Well, of course, I'm a problem solver. So it's like, oh, I want to help her. I want to help her. I had to remind myself, Roger, first things first, work on the current work and then contact her after that. Because it's very easy, as you mentioned, to get pulled right into, I've got to do, you know, answer this email, and then, oh, I should do this, and then, oh, well, this is due in two days, I better get going on this, or I'm gonna fall away behind. Start with what matters most first, and that is your own writing. I tell clients often, if you set a schedule and stick to it consistently, you will be shocked how fast you complete a whole manuscript. It's such great advice. And, you know, I myself have clients as well. And your email example was perfect because the same exact thing happened to me this morning as well. <laughs> I, you know, I was sitting there, I was doing my thing. I was really rolling along and then I hear ting. And I don't know why, because I typically, I keep that, that screen minimized on purpose and I'll turn my phone sound off on purpose. So I don't get those notifications and hear them, but I didn't turn it off. And I looked and then I did, I stopped what I was doing, helped out what she needed. And then there I was a half an hour later trying to get my focus back on where I was. It is easy. I, and I'm a work in progress, Roger. I, you know, I think we probably all are. We probably all are. But okay, so what do you provide any marketing or anything like that when someone uses your services and they go through the whole thing with you having their book published with you once it's published do you have like a, a, a just a little bit of how the story how the path is laid out for a newly published author yes as part of the package that authors purchase to to be published through my publishing house that includes a marketing launch of the book and then a marketing strategy. And the marketing company that I use 
has different bundles, which is common for many marketing companies where it's not like you just have to do everything they want to do. You look through their different bundles. They offer different services at different prices. So when I con when I connect authors with them, I help them figure out what do they most want to do. For some, it's how do I get my formatted manuscript, reformatted into a print-on-demand version, uploaded into Amazon. How do I create my author Amazon page? Because many new authors don't even know that exists or don't know what it is, and they don't know how to begin. So a marketing firm, at least the one that I use, is that's one of the services she offers. So she can do that so that if they just want to sell their book through Amazon, they, they can do all that. If they want to do things on social media, then she determines what social media platforms are the best fit for this topic and this readership. How do we get that out there? How long is the campaign? When is a good launch date? You know, as a former librarian, I know there is a national something day for everything. So if you have a certain theme or a certain element or a certain setting for your book, you know, there might be like, you know, today might be autumn leaf day in the Northeast. And if your book is famous for its gorgeous settings and you're great at description and everything, then your marketing person might say, you know what, we should do a campaign starting on November 1st, where we highlight the beautiful descriptions you have so that people can savor your writing style because today is National Leaf Day. Yeah, and so many people, authors, especially those just starting their journey, that's just not something that they think about because a lot of them just aren't marketers. I mean, to put on a marketing hat, it, it is helpful if you've got a little background in it. Yes. You know, and if you don't have that background, it can seem like I had said earlier, a little overwhelming. I, I love that part of it. I love the creative part of it. You know, coming up with those words on how to catch someone's attention, say, you know, for Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or making a 20 second little video just to catch someone's interest. Yes. And using those national days, that's a brilliant idea. And I, I use it myself. There's, there is, and there's numerous, there's not just one topic for each day that's a national day. There are numerous, numerous ones, you know, chocolate <laughs> day and cat day and dog day and rescue day and sponsor day. I mean, everything, you know, ham sandwich day. There are days for everything. National hot dog day. There's there you go. Stuff for everything. <laughs> so if you can swing that somehow to correlate, you know, that makes sense with your book, by golly, do it. <laughs> And you know what's great, Kim, is even though it does, having to write copy for advertisement and everything does take time away from the writing skill, any new writing project that you have to learn and develop and hone helps you write books better. You just get better at it. You understand how to be succinct. You know, if you yes. have to make an ad that has to be this many in this number of words, then when you go back and revise your book, you start noticing how you took 30 words to make, to give one idea that could have been said probably in 11 or 12. Right. And the reason your brain is able to do that is because you, it's kind of like the karate kid, wax on, wax off, paint the fence ideas. Uh -huh. It looks like you're not really working on anything, but you're developing creative muscles that help in the writing of your manuscript. So whenever you're drawn to do something else that requires creativity, do it. It will help your writing every time. You know, and I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm not educated in writing at all. I started writing back in 2004. So it's been a while. 
And I've literally taught myself on what to do and how to do it and what suits my voice, my yes. personality and how I, how I weave a story together. Um, mine are typically more emotional. They draw emotion. And so I use all my senses. And that was just kind of an instinctive thing that I did. You know, if I was trying to come up with a scene, I'm like, well, what does it look like? Is it hot? Is it warm? What's it smell like? What's floating in the air right now? That's yes. how my brain goes when I'm trying to come up with a descriptive sentence. Beautiful. And that's just, but that's just instinctively to me. I know that's not, everybody isn't like that. Um, I think I'm blessed. I'm blessed because of that, truly. Yes. Um, and it's well, if you're drawn to writing, though, you have a natural inclination for it. In my book, From Inspiration to Publication, the whole first section is about the importance of reading. If you read, 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 even if you're reading in genres that aren't what you write, everything you ever read, your subconscious stores. And I can tell you through my own personal experience over the decades, when you're in the zone of writing that first draft, you will come up with phrases and words that you have to look up later because you didn't even know you even right. knew. <laughs> you're not going to realize just how brilliant you are. <laughs> yeah. And I used to think, well, how did I come up with that? It's because at some point I read it and my brain registered it and knew how to use it when I was in that creative process. Now, you might not use all of it because you go through the revision process to make sure it makes sense to the reader. But it's such an adventure to start that first draft and be immersed in it, especially when you don't know where it's going. Right. So you're being led on an adventure. And it's like, this is as exciting as reading a book because I don't know where these characters are taking me, but I really like these people and I want to find out what happens to them. And I think that is so, that creative part of it to me is fun when you can fall into it. And that's how I, that's how I word it. If I am, if I get like this just big blast of an idea and the words are literally shouting in my head, you know, and I have to get them written out. It's just, you know, it's like this, this dump. I call it, I call it word vomit. I have to sit and just, you know, and I will type. And sometimes I'll go into this complete zone. Yes. And then when you look up and it's several hours later and the dog needs to go outside and you're like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. And you're going, oh my goodness, three hours went by. I never read what I just wrote. When that happens, I walk away from it. Perfect. For like a day. And I always say, okay, all right, I just did that. I'm going to let it simmer because if I go back in there now, I am going to judge it. Yes. And I'm not going to read it with any fresh eyes because yes. my brain's tired. <laughs> yes. Here's the advice that I give to my, some of my coaching clients in the first draft, don't get it right. Get it written. You don't know what to revise until you get to the very end. And this is true of fiction or nonfiction. Everything needs to be leading to some climactic scene in fiction or some major point in your nonfiction. You don't know what to revise until you get to the end of the journey. And then the second bit of advice is rewriting is also real writing. I used to think, well, if I'm just revising and rewriting, it's not really a writing day. I'm just kind of editing and revising. But here's the deal. Different parts of your brain write and edit. If you keep going back and editing what you write as you're writing that first draft, that is the number one reason people start books and don't finish them. So you just, what I recommend to my clients is you need to take that editing hat and set it aside. Realize, just remind your left brain, I will need you eventually, not yet, because 
editing while you write is like having your second grade teacher stand over your shoulder while you're learning how to print your letters for the first time. Totally daunting. There's always this like vulture standing over you waiting to attack. Tell the editor in your brain, I'm going to need you later, not now. And let your right brain free to just complete that first draft. Then when it's done, your left brain can say, okay, now I'm going to pare things down. Now I'm going to organize it in the most effective way. Now I'm going to make this dynamic for somebody else. But if your writer and the editor are sitting side by side trying to get anything done, they're fighting each other the whole time, you will give up and not complete that first draft. Right. You're just going to end up frustrated and your brain's going to be tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I want to jump back to a few minutes ago because the thought just came back in my head. <laughs> Okay. Talking about the creative process and agents and all of that and how you can grow as a writer and you've, you've given several tips. One thing I've done, and I want to see what your thoughts are on this. I have, I love writing short stories, you know, like 1500 to 3000 words or 5,000 words. I love doing that. And I've written them and I've submitted them into contests and different magazines and some have been accepted and some have not. But to me, for me, that is a huge learning process because a lot of times you get feedback from those. And then there's this one, this one organization I'm involved with, they have quarterly contests. And when I have the chance, I enter them. But for a very, very small, minimal fee, you can have someone critique it. And whenever that's offered, I say, I will pay the 25 bucks to have this critiqued knowing it's going to come back ripped apart. And I say that in a nice way. I have learned so much by having my short stories critiqued. I've learned so much on how to use certain words, when to use them, when not, what words I'm using way too often, and how to form the story, the flow. I have done that for years and I wonder, do you, do you do that with your own stuff? Do you suggest that to people? Do you know other people who literally just, well, it's kind of for the fun of it, but I also learn a tremendous amount sending it off to be critiqued. I think that's a great plan, especially if you're getting critiqued by people who are professional and kind in their approach to their feedback and also who have experience in writing or publishing that particular kind of work. What some aspiring authors may not be aware of is there's something called beta readers. Mm -hmm. So you, when you complete your manuscript, someone once asked me, some of my clients asked me, how do you know when you're done? My opinion is when I make changes in my manuscript that make the manuscript different, but not necessarily better, I've reached my level of, of talent and skill with that manuscript. It's time to send it off. So then I send it to my editor have her edit it for me. And then I usually share the work with what are known as beta readers. Beta readers are usually other authors who are in a cluster, a group, who for free will read each other's manuscripts on the understanding that when they're ready to share their manuscript, you know, someone else will read it also. So there may be 10 people in the circle. Not all 10 people have to read the same manuscript, but say you get five or six people responding, then eventually you'll get around to giving your feedback to them as well. My suggestion is if you get consistent feedback from different people, that's something to explore. 
If one person says something, that may just be that one person's opinion. That might not be something you need to edit or real even think about. It may just be a difference in understanding or an approach to that particular writing. So yes, feedback is always very helpful if you ask the right people. I agree completely that it has to be the right people. This yes. this group I'm involved in, it is it is all authors and agents and editors and publishers. And they offer all these really cool, I'm just, I was so blessed to find it actually. And I've been a member of it for several years now. And the, the ones that provide critiques are, are typically editors, publishers, agents. They're all within the industry. Yes. So I know that it's, you know, it's coming from an educated background and they know what they're talking about. And so far, all of the ones I have gotten done have actually been very nice. And I've never felt, I don't, I don't take it personally, first off, because I sent it in to be critiqued. I wanted it to be ripped <laughs> apart because I learned from it. I don't take, that's one thing an author has to, I think is one, uh, it's a big one, actually. Don't take it personally if someone doesn't like your stuff. It's your, your writing is not for every single person on the planet. You're, you're bearing your soul when you write. So that is, that is, you do need to develop that tough skin and be able to be objective about your own work. And that takes a while. So if, if you're an aspiring author or you're new to it and it scares you, just step through the fear. You will develop a thicker skin. You will be able to tell whose feedback is helpful and which feedback is just mean. And there, there are some people, I've had that happen to me where you know this very famous New York publisher looked at one of my manuscripts and he was just mean. I mean, just like cruel. Fortunately, I'd had enough experience and had publishing successes. So it was, I didn't just assume, oh, this is the general opinion of my writing and, you know, and that I'm not really, I'm not up to this task. It's just like, okay, well, for him, I wasn't a good fit. But it, it, it does take courage. Yes. But you have any, everybody has the courage. You just have to exercise it. The way I look at it is if you've had the courage to write the story to begin with, that's your main hurdle. Yes. You got it down on your computer screen or on paper, however it is that you do it. Yes, it is kind of scary to send it out there. But there's that one person that you've never met and will never know that is waiting for your story. Exactly. And if you're getting rejections, that's just a sign that you are part of the industry. You are working in the industry. Even if you haven't been published yet, if you are sending things out, keeping your work in circulation until the right person finds it and publishes it for you or the right agent sees it and decides to represent it. You know, if you keep those in circulation and you keep sending out whether it's short stories you're supplying for contests or you're sending manuscripts or queries or whatever it is you're doing, if you are doing that regularly and you're getting emails saying, I read it, thank you, but no thank you, then congratulate yourself. You are in the, in, in the industry. You're not an outsider, you know, sheepishly thinking, oh, I'd love to be a published author, but it's all too scary. You're out there trying and eventually it'll happen. You'll get what you're dreaming of. There is the right person out there that is going to read your stuff and say, and just be hit by it. You yes. know, however they're hitting the head or in their heart, however it is, hopefully yes. both, because then they'll be jumping out of their seat saying, we've got to sign this one. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Time has flown as it always does. There is so much more 
that we could delve into on this subject. Oh my goodness. You know what that means, Roger. That just means we're going to have to have you back. I would love to. Let's do it again soon. Yes, please. Because as, as I chat, I write down notes and I've got all these little scribbles with question marks and arrows and stars <laughs> on my paper of so many other things that we could talk about. Because so many folks out there that I know and that are listeners and my guests are authors or currently writing, they've just never been published. They don't know where to turn. And hey, it's always good to have those little nuggets tossed out at you and be like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. And that's something that they could jot down and it'll help them in their writing journey. Roger, thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce today. This has been an absolute pleasure and I cannot wait to have you on again. Thank you. Well, and if anybody who's listening wants to know where do you find me, it's rogerlesley.com. You can look me up about my editing, coaching, publishing, whatever it is that you need some guidance with. RogerLeslie.com is the place to find me. You can just email me through that website and I, I might be the person who can help you make your dreams come true. Awesome, awesome stuff. So that's RogerLeslie.com, folks. And all of that, of course, will be in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. Roger, once again, thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. This has been a true pleasure and all of you out there listening, thanks so much for spending a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today, Roger Leslie, PhD. Everybody out there, be well, stay well, and be blessed.